You're about to listen to another inspiring word from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. For more information and interaction with House on the Rock, please visit our website on hotr.org.uk. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 7 of Genesis chapter 3. Let's rise up for the reading of God's word as a good custom in all House on the Rock churches in honor of the second person of the Trinity. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 7. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of, the, of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the, tree, of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Verse 4, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of it and she, of its fruit and ate. And she also gave her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. All right? This was the beginning of man's woes. And it all started with an identity crisis. It all started with an identity crisis. um, Satan telling her that if you eat of this fruit, you will become like God. But she was already like God because she was made in the image and the likeness of God. But because she did not know who she was, because she had an identity crisis, she fell for his deception and decided to try to do by works and to gain what she already had by grace. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In other words, Satan was selling her her own furniture. She already owned the furniture, and meanwhile, he was asking her to pay again, and she was paying again for that which she already was. She had an identity crisis. But her identity crisis was also rooted in her lack of an accurate understanding of who God was and is. The serpent Satan said, God knows that if you eat of this fruit, you will become like God. For her to fall for that deception, it means she had to entertain the possibility that God was withholding something good from her. She had to believe the the possibility that somehow God was bad and not good. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? So the identity crisis here is not just her identity crisis in knowing who she is, there's also an identity crisis in her not knowing who God is. She didn't know who God was. She did not know, she did not know who she was. She also did not know who her God was. So before we start delving into do you know who you are, the question I want to deal with this Sunday is do you know whose you are? Help me ask your neighbor, do you know whose you are? Do you know whose you are? I know we want to quickly start talking about our own identity, who we are in Christ, and all of those type of things, and it's great. But before you can know who you are, you better make sure you know who he is. Because if you don't know who he is, then your identity is at risk. Hallelujah. Do you know whose you are is the subject of my meditation. Mighty Father, speak through me. 
like only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people said a loud amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. There are many crises happening all over the earth today. And it will be a great, great debate as to what is the greatest of the crises. Just yesterday, for the first time in ages, Israel was taken by, the nation of Israel was taken by surprise. They've never been surprised like that for, for, for their land to be invaded and over 150 hostages taken, massacring and killing of people. And the truth be told, we are at a very, very hot spot right now in the world because typically, <laughs> you know Israel, you take one person, you take two or three persons and the reaction to that is always so much in excess of the seemingly one or two that were taken, let alone 150. So pray for Israel, pray for Jerusalem. Psalms 122 and verse six, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So I am enjoying you and we will find time in our prayer sessions to take time out to pray for the peace of Israel because the world is so connected now that what you might think is so far removed from you can easily have a chain reaction that reverberates around the whole globe. Crisis. What is the greatest crisis that mankind is facing today? Is it the cost of living crisis? Help me ask your neighbor, what would you consider to be the greatest crisis the world is facing right now? Some people will talk about climate change is a crisis. Wars and rumors of war, political and social unrest, refugee migration crisis. Yeah, Jackpa and Jackpadas. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> crisis. Uh, uh, coming in through boats, coming through all sorts of things, you know. Cyber security threats. Yeah? Companies. I've, I've been a recipient of that type of challenge about a year ago. Um, uh, my Instagram page with over 18,000 followers was hacked and somebody took over the, the, the account and impersonated me. I had identity theft. I, it felt so bad. I started getting calls from people saying, is it you, is it you? You're asking for 400,000, you're asking for 200,000. I said, have I ever asked you for money before? <laughs> that I will suddenly start asking you for all these, um, I'm telling you about an orphan, or an orphanage somewhere. You know how these things run. Fought, 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 tried to get it back, tried to get it back, couldn't get it back. At the end of the day, I had to resort to just getting Instagram to disable the account, along with the many followers I had on that account. Had to open a new Instagram account, Dr. Temi Odejide. For those of you that aren't following me yet, I don't know why you're waiting. Um, hallelujah. <laughs> Blessed be God. I started to build it again from fresh. Of course, I put in quite a bit of more security features into that. Cyber, and that's just on a personal level. But huge companies know the risk of cyber security, that if they could get through your barriers, so many things could go wrong. Environmental degradation, inequity in access to health care. Um, 
you know, while some people seem to have easy access to the best of medical care, some people are far removed from uh, medical care. My, my, my dad is the chief medical director for uh, the Living Hope um, Health Services in Ileife, one of the smaller towns in Nigeria. They, he runs a, a, an annual, at least once a year, healthcare mission, all right? to rural areas where there are impoverished people who don't have regular access to um, medical care and die needless deaths. Pregnant women dying for, for no just cause, simply poverty. Yeah? Crisis, left, right, and center. We're trying to plug into the various crises, trying to see what we can do to help here, help there. My dad is in church, by the way. Help me love on my dad. Help me love on my dad. <laughs> Hallelujah. And my mom. <laughs> Political instability around the globe. Human rights concerns. Yeah? So many crises, and we could, we could spend hours talking about each one of the crises. But I, I would argue that one of the most critical crises of our day, both macro and micro, um, is identity crisis. Identity crisis. This is not a new crisis, it is an age-old one, dating back to the very beginning and has become even more critical today. Even whole nations are struggling with their identity, and particularly in the Western world, on an individual level, many are struggling on how they would be identified. What is my identity? We would have thought that our advancement in technology would have resolved any identity issues very easily, but uh, unfortunately, we read more and know less. We talk more, but understand less. We chat more, but connect less. We post more, but host each other less. We watch more, but see less. Screen time is on the increase, but fa real face time is on the decrease. We have more degrees, and yet are more confused. Identity crisis. That's one of the greatest confusions of today. Who really are we? Who are you? Help me ask your neighbor, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Um, some of us um, loved or support or were excited about what the prime minister said in his speech just a few days um, ago. I mean, it was like a breath of fresh air. Can somebody finally just say common sense, whether he said it for political reasons or not, it still resonated with a lot of people. A man is a man, a woman is a woman. It's not that complicated. It's common sense. Why are we uh, trying to force down the throat of every Tom, Dick, and Harry? I see you clearly that you are a woman and you're telling me I must take you as a man. Come on. Let's be real. It's, it's been crazy, all right? In, in fact, it's so crazy now that what you think is common sense is such a topical issue. You need to get onto some of the platforms where his, that small excerpt of his speech is posted and then go down into the chats and you'll be in shock. 
Because he's getting so much flack for making what you would consider to be common sense. Identity crisis. Who are we? Who are you? What defines you? What is your true identity? At the root of many ills today is a fundamental identity crisis. Our Western world has elevated gender assignment and identification to be self-determined. So I decide what I want to be. So I, self is king. Self is God. Even if what I feel is, uh, and what I want to be addressed as or thought to be is in total contradistinction to my biology, rather than working on how to align with my biology, we get to the age where I change my biology to align with how I think and how I feel. In sometimes the most tortuous processes that can be very reversible, not totally, the process of even reversing it, when I wake up and find out that, oh, it was a mistake after all. Um, it's not that easy. The world we live in today. And, and, and when we deal with these things, it's such sensitive, and I really don't intend to spend much time in this area, but because I've gone there, I better finish what I'm saying. <laughs> You've got to have empathy. So as believers, we're not in judgment or hatred. You see, some of these things, people try to make it so simple that for you to have a difference of opinion is for you to be a hater. And it, 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 that easily serves certain agendas. But can we be honest and true? Can I, can I disagree with you and just be telling you the truth? The, the way I know the truth, the way inalienable facts point to the truth. And it doesn't mean I'm not empathic about the challenges certain individuals are face, facing, gender dysphoria. I'm a medical personnel. I know these things. I'm empathic towards that, but my, the solution is not pretending that it's not a problem, it's not a challenge. And the, the solution is not me now endorsing it. You know? Maybe we need to find help. Amen? Hallelujah. We, we, certain people don't like the statement, love the sinner, but hate the sin. In fact... Now sin is even up for debate. What is sin? When we make self God, that's a problem. Because there's only one God. And it's outside of self. In the beginning, it was not so. Our identity and our gender was not self-determined. 
was dis- but it was determined outside of ourselves by God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and verse 37 says, And God said, Let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness, and let them have dominion. Verse 27, he says, Male and female created he them. This is what God did in the beginning. According to our faith, our belief system, God defined man as two genders, male and female. You are who God says you are. You are created in the image and the likeness of God, male and female. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say, I am what God says I am. I might have challenges. I might have things that I'm facing, but I'm still what God said I am. And uh, we lost our identity through the fall of Adam and Eve, but that identity is restored through Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. First uh, John chapter 3 and verse 2 says, Beloved, now, not tomorrow, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we, we, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. And we shall see him as he is. Hallelujah. It does not yet appear. Meaning that right now in the heavens, in the spirit realm, I am already a son of God. But it does not yet appear on the earthly realm. Right now, I am seated with Christ in heavenly places, but it does not appear because I'm walking on the earth. That means that there is a me that you are not seeing. There's a new me that you haven't seen yet. Uh, A a new you that is veiled by your situations and your circumstances. And my mission this month uh, is to unveil the new you to you. To introduce the new you to you. To cause you to see and to find out who God has made you to be. Can I talk to somebody this Sunday morning that there is more to you than meets the eye? Oh, Jesus Anybody that's making any judgment about you totally based upon what they see when they look at you, the way you dress, the way you walk, the way you talk has totally missed it. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The new you is fully resourceful. He knows all things. He's loaded with the power of God. In this month, I intend that your eyes will be opened, that you will start to see that I am who God says that I am. Even if my situations and my circumstances seem to be contradicting that, if you believe what I'm saying, come and shout, yeah! Yeah. Hallelujah. Identity in the natural, in physiology, is naturally determined by the father. The father, the father. The father determines identity. You know, you know there's a lot of inequalities and inequities and a number of things that we do, you know. Um, as, as a medical doctor, when you're dealing with issues of infertility, disproportionately, every time people talk about infertility, it's a woman's problem. Hello, particularly in Africa, it's a, it's a woman's problem. She's the one that is not fruitful. <laughs> Medical doctors just shake their heads because a lot of infertility has, it doesn't have to do with the woman, it has to do with the man. And if we're really going to help, we're going to have to get both persons to do a thorough check. But we find out that, of course, the women culturally are more quick to 
do those checks while the man is dragging his feet because, hey, I ain't got no problem. <laughs> I'm good. I'm strong. But it takes two. It takes two. It takes two. Then the other one that's funny is when the man he has a wonderful wife who's giving him babies, um, but the three babies they've had are, are, are girls. And he says, in our local language, that's you, you're just giving me women. No man. What type of wife are you? Again, lack of knowledge. The, the person that really determines the ultimate sex of the child that comes out is not the woman, it's the man. She simply gives you back what you gave her. Oh, you didn't know? <laughs> Female chromosome is XX. Male chromosome is XY. For a woman to incubate a child and it comes out a boy, the man must have donated a Y chromosome. If he does not donate a Y chromosome, it's XX that is coming. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So who is responsible? It's the man. So even when we're talking about um, gender, we find that it's, it, the man plays a key role in determining the gender. Yes, man might not have the conscious ability to determine whether it's going to be X or it's going to be, to be Y, amen? <laughs> Which tells you that there's still a, a, an unknown realm of this whole equation. There's the God realm of this whole equation that determines what's coming. Ooh. You didn't just come from your parents. You came from God. Oh, I, I don't know whether you hear me what I'm saying. You didn't just come from your parents. You came from God. This is a word for somebody this Sunday morning. Because your parents disappointed you. Your parents dropped you. Your parents maybe even abused you. Your parents you don't, may, might not even know them. But if you are here and you are on the scene, you didn't just come from your parents. You came from God. And you came here on purpose. And for purpose. But defining identity is not just in gender. It's also in the living example to emulate that fathers and mothers give to their children. So in a society of absentee fathers, um, the identity crisis becomes on the rise. And even sometimes when the fathers are present, a lot of them have never been fathered themselves, so you do, they do not know how to father others. We see this when sociologists will tell you when they study societies all over the globe, particularly in the Western world, where such a rise of single, single motherhood or single parenting, if you like, but particularly single motherhood, the absence of the father does have a sociological impact because the father plays a very key key role in identity formation. Now, Eve's identity crisis ultimately led to the fall of man because Eve did not know who she really was, so she could be deceived. Every time you don't know who you are, you can be deceived. This led to disobedience and led to the fall of man. But her identity crisis, like I said earlier, was, was not just rooted in her, not having, in herself, it was also rooted in her not having an accurate perception of who God was. Oh, you don't hear me what I'm saying. For her to be deceived by the devil, she had to doubt the very character of God. 
Because the devil was claiming that God had done something in a way that he had not done it. She had to believe that it was possible for God to be withholding something good from her, meaning that she doubted the character of God, the altogether goodness of our God. Your identity does not start from you, but it starts from your understanding of who God is. Your identity doesn't start from you. It actually starts from your understanding of who God is. I'll give you more proof of that in a moment. If Eve had an accurate understanding and a grasp of the very character of God, that would have been enough to smell out the deception of the enemy. You see, if you really know me, if you really know me and you know my character and you know who, my heart towards you, that I love you and all of that, and then somebody comes and says, uh, that pastor tell me, you know that he's just deceiving you. This is what he really wants to get from you. you. You see, even if the person seems to be giving valid facts, because you know me, because you know my character, I might not have the facts to counter what you are saying right now, but I know this person. You already start smelling a rat, right? You already say, mm, something is not adding up with this. If she had a correct perception of who God is and was, then that in, it was enough premise for her to be suspicious of the lie that she was being told by the en enemy, all right? On the premise of the knowledge of the character of God alone, I know that he would do me no evil. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of light, in whom there is no variableness, nor the shadow of turning. Even if I don't understand fully what he's doing or why he's allowing this to happen in my life, I know him, and I know he will do me no evil. His thoughts towards me are not of evil, but of good, to give me a future and a hope. For Eve to have an identity crisis, she had to first have, a, she had to first have an identity crisis about who God is. She had to see God in a wrong light. Do you get it? So you now start to understand other scriptures when it says in Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32b that the people that know their God, they shall be strong and do exploits. So it is premised upon the knowledge of their God that they are able to be strong and do exploits. Your strength comes from your knowledge of God. Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 23 and 24 says, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am a, the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for these I delight, says the Lord. If you are going to boast in anything, don't boast in your riches, don't boast in your might, don't boast in your wisdom, boast in your knowledge of God. Hallelujah. Your perception of God is critical. Your perception is your reality. Your perception is your reception. The God you perceive is the God that you receive. Your confidence or lack thereof is connected to your perception of God. If you perceive him right, you receive right. If you perceive him wrong, you receive wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, help me today. It is actually in the light of who God is that we see who we are. It is in the light of who God is that we see who we are. If you do not see God, you cannot see yourself. He is the light through which we see because there is no sight without light. 
You can have wonderful eyesight, but if there is no light, the eyesight will do you no good. So you need light, and he is the light of the world. He is the light that enables our sight. Identity starts with identifying God. So Paul, praying for the Ephesian church, in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, he says, I do not cease to give thanks to, to, for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of what? Of him. The first thing he wants you to grasp is a revelation in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of who God is who God is. And it's after you've gotten a revelation of who God is that he can start telling you about the hope of your calling, the riches of the glory of your inheritance with the saints, the greatness of the power of God towards us who believe. Somebody shout amen. amen. In the light of the revelation of God, we are able to go on to now start to see who we really are. So I seek to know God first. I seek to see him clearly so that then I can see myself clearly. Oh, Lord, I've got to know whose I am before I can know who I am. Mm. So in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 13 to 17, we have this conversation where Jesus asks his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they started to give him all sorts of uh, suggestions. Some say that you are Elias, you are Jeremiah, you are this, you are that. It's interesting how we always know what everybody else is saying. But then Jesus moves on and says, who do you say that I am? And there's a deafening silence. Nobody has anything to say because they're full of knowledge of what other men say, but they don't have a personal knowledge of themselves. Then, finally, Simon rises up and says, uh, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He has a revelation. He sees who God is. And Jesus says, Woo! Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. Your name will no longer be Simon. Now you are Peter. And upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and so on and so forth. But do you see what happened there? It was after I caught the revelation of who Christ was that God was able to now show him who he really was. Ooh, Jesus, help me. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So it is in the light of who God is that we're able to see who we are. It's in the light of who God is that we're able to see who we are. If we don't see God clearly, if we don't see his light clearly, if we don't have a good understanding of who he is, we're not able to see who we are. Understand, Simon means a reed that is easily tossed to and fro and blown by the wind, while Peter means a, a, a stone that is solid, that is strong. So what God was saying is that now I'm going to show you you are not that weakling that everybody thought you were. You actually have strength. Is anybody hearing me what I'm saying? Whenever you see God, you get your real name. Whenever you see God, you get your real name. Can I prophesy? I sense a name change coming in this house. Even today and in this month, in the name of Jesus. They knew you by a certain name before. <laughs> but as you capture clearer revelations of who God is, your real name, the new you name, the name that heaven has given you, will be revealed unto you. In the mighty name of Jesus, if you believe it, come on shout yes oh my goodness a name change from poverty to wealth from weakness to strength from confusion to direction from never do good to always doing great somebody shout amen, amen. hallelujah hallelujah you, you can only get an accurate picture of who you are in the light of who he is 
Unfortunately, God has been largely misrepresented by us. And we must own it as pastors, as preachers, that very often we have not presented God accurately to the people. We have misrepresented God. We have presented an angry God that is extremely mercurial. Mercurial means up and down. You know mercury in the thermostat changes with the temperature, right? Mercurial, up and down. What God am I going to get today? Has anybody had a mercurial bus? They're very hard to work with because you're not sure which one am I going to meet in the office today. Is it the, is it the positive, let's do this, I'm going to help you, I'm going to give you all you need, or is it the one that is already, in fact, just the sight of you is already going ballistic? Mercurial. This is the type of picture we've often painted of God. Angry, judgmental, undisinterested or something. But the scripture in the new covenant lets us see something about God. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 21, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away, all things have become what? New. It says, Now all things are of God. All things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Hmm, think about that. That is that God in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What does this tell us about God? This tells us that God is no longer imputing your trespasses against you. God is no longer going around looking to judge you punish you, flog you for your trespasses. So I can continue to trespass. Wrong conclusion. Why is he no longer looking to punish, to judge you, burn you from heaven for your trespasses? Because somebody has already paid for those trespasses. His name is Jesus. So all of the judgment and justice for the trespasses was poured upon Jesus upon the cross. So he took it on your behalf so that God would no longer impute that trespass against you. This is the God of the new covenant. Not that he's different from the God of the old covenant. It's just that it's the same God. It's just that the way we relate with him changed because in the Old Testament, we didn't have the substitutional sacrifice of Christ Jesus. While in, under the new covenant, we do have. So now God is able to display the, the, the entirety of himself. I'm not judging you anymore. I've actually already reconciled you. Through Christ Jesus, I've paid the price totally and completely. Your job is to accept what I have done. Not to try to earn it, Eve. I've already done it. Do you get it? Receive it by faith. Receive it by faith. This is the God we are meant to be presenting to the world today. But too often, and I'm, I'm not judgmental because revelation is progressive. We grow. We learn more and more. 
Um, I mean, when I was growing up as a believer, I, I mean, I loved, and I loved and I still love the revival messages of old. You know, the revivalist of old, the Charles G. Finney's. Somebody's looking at me saying, who is that? Don't worry. <laughs> Go and research it later. There was one of the preachers that says, sinners in the hand of an angry God. Ooh. That when he preached that message, everybody was shaking. People were crying and repenting. Powerful! It was part of the journey of the church and very important. It is, you see, the, the message of, of sin and judgment is for the sinner. So that the sinner will seek out Christ. Not so that the sinner will try better to not sin. Because his best effort to not sin is still going to fail. So an, a, a skilled preacher and teacher knows how to use the law to show you your need for Christ. The problem is when we try to use the law to get you to perform more. It doesn't work. If I'm going to preach the law at all, it's to get you to see that I need Christ. I need to accept what he has done for me. The anger has been set, spent, justice has been served. God is love. God has, has paid the price himself, the price that you cannot pay. So we now understand that God is altogether good. So James chapter 1 and verse 17 says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, nor the shadow of turning. He's not up today and down tomorrow. He's not mercurial. He's good today and good tomorrow and good forever and he was good before. Hebrews 13 and verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Hallelujah. He is the same. He is consistent. He is dependable. He is reliable. Nothing takes him by surprise. He is responsible. He is a good father. Hallelujah. Solving your identity crisis starts with knowing who God is. If you know whose you are, then you will know who you are. You will be insulated from the deceptions of the enemy. Do you know whose you are? Do you know the character and the identity? of your God. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Colossians 1 verse 13 and 14 says, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love, in whom we have what? Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Tell your neighbor, I have redemption Tell your other neighbor, I have been redeemed. I am have been redeemed. What does it mean to be redeemed? What does redemption mean? Redemption is the act of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. The action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. The action of buying one's freedom. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Synonyms for redemption include saving, retrieval. Recovery, reclamation, repossession, exchange, paying off, paying back. To redeem is to buy back. Jesus Christ has bought you back. Hallelujah. 
He's brought you back with his precious blood. Do you know whose you are? He paid the supreme price, the highest price ever to buy you back. He's brought you back. Therefore, you are now God's property. Before you can really know who you are, you have to know whose you are. Hallelujah. Uh, Colossians 3, 3 says, For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are hidden in Christ in God. Meaning that if Satan wants to get you now, he has to first of all go through God, then he has to get through Christ before he can get to you. Uh, do you know whose you are? Do you know his character? He's omniscient. That means he knows all things, all wise, all knowing. He knows all things. There's nothing that's taken him by surprise. He's omniscient. Whatever you are going through right now, he already knew about it before you started to go through it. He's omnipresent, omnipresent. That means he's present in all times, at all times. Oh, Jesus. That means he's here right now with us, yet he's in the past and he's also in the future, all at the same time. Hallelujah. He's omnipresent. That means when you are in the fire, he's the fourth man in the fire. That means when you are in the storm, he's Jesus in the ship. Is anybody hear me what I'm saying? Even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even there he is with you. He's omnipresent. Do you know the character of your God? He's omnipotent. Hey! omnipotent. Once have I heard, once was it said, twice have I heard that all power belongs to God. He's omnipotent, all powerful. There's nothing he cannot do. His hand is not shortened that it cannot save. He's able to perform miracles. He didn't stop performing miracles. He performed miracles in the past. He's performing miracles today. He'll perform miracles tomorrow. He's omnipotent. There is nothing that is impossible with God. With God, all things are possible. This is your God. Do you know the character of your God? Uh, now unto him that is able, uh, he is able uh, to do exceeding abundantly, far above all we could ask, think, or imagine. Hallelujah. That means my God can do exceedingly above anything you could imagine. Ah, yeah, don't, don't, you don't understand. Everything you could ask for, everything you could think about is in the realm of what you know. Even when you think you're coming up with a novel idea, it's always a combination of other things that you already know that you just combined in a new way to produce this novel idea. Is anybody hear me what I'm saying? But God, the scripture says, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you, all you know. That means he can blow your mind. That means he can exceed your expectations. That means he can do what you do not know. Ah, what you do not know. What you didn't see coming. Ah, I prophesy. We've been complaining about terrible things that came into our space that we did not see coming. Israel did not see the trouble coming. But I want to prophesy that goodness that you did not see coming is coming your way. Oh, 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 is that your word? Breakthrough that you did not see coming is coming your way. Provision that you did not see coming is coming your way. Yeah, 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 yeah. A supernatural turnaround that you did not see coming, it's coming your way. Because that's the character of my God. 
He's an altogether good God. And when I start to align with that belief system, when I start to see him as he is, then I start to see who I really am. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. I will cease from my labor and I will enter into rest because I know who he is. Those that know their God, they shall be strong and they shall do great exploits. Do you know your God? Do you know whose you are? If you know whose you are in the house today, come and show yeah. Woo! Hallelujah. Jesus, Paul, David said, one thing have I desired and that will I seek after that I might dwell in the house of the Lord, that I might be, inquire at his temple, that I might behold his glory. You see, he understood that if I can just see him, if I can just see him, if I can keep my eyes, those that keep their minds stayed upon God, he keeps in perfect peace. If I can keep my eyes on him, that light shines back on me and I start to see what he has placed within me. Oh, what a mystery. You know, the one we read in the book of First John, it says that now, right now, we are the sons of God, yet it does not appear what we shall be. For when we see him as he is, then we shall be as he is. I'm wondering, it's a very complicated verse. It seems like it's full of contradictions, but it's actually giving you a principle that your transformation into what you already are you are it in the spirit. You are not it in the flesh. Your transformation into what you already are is premised on how clearly you see who he is. The more clearly you see who he is, the more you start to show up. That, that new you that is inside you starts to show up. Oh, Lord Jesus. You become more and more like him. It's just like the other one in the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 3 and verse 21, where it says that wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Beholding his image, the image of his glory as in a mirror, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory. Now, he said, as in a mirror. I thought a mirror shows me who I am. Hallelujah. He's telling you, you are already it, but you didn't know. You couldn't see it. But now, if you go into the word of God, if you open the word of God with faith eyes, you start to see who you are. It's a mirror. It's reflecting who you have been made in Christ Jesus. And the more you see it, the more you... Oh, come on. How many of you use the mirror today? I, I, I sincerely hope all of you did. Hallelujah. <laughs> What did, you, what did you do when you're in the mirror? When you're in the mirror, you are checking out how you look. You are, okay, am I okay? Is it balanced? Do the colors work? Some people need help. Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're checking in the mirror. To, that's what it is. When you're looking in the mirror of God's word and you are seeing who you have been made, then you start to adjust yourself to what you see in the word. Oh, come on. I see a divine adjust, adjustment. Uh, hallelujah. As you see more and more who he is that you are, you become more like him. Oh, God. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus, that we would have eyes only for him. And as, as we see him, we become as he is. Even though that verse is talking about the ultimate transformation and transfiguration at the end, the principle is still applicable in the here and now because it's a progression. Amen. Somebody give God the glory. If you know whose you are, come and give him the glory this Sunday morning. Lift up his holy name. Today, I just wanted to lay a foundation and I wanted to flow with the Holy Spirit to let him lay that foundation. But you know what I really want? 
What I really want is that you don't miss next week's Sunday. Because next week's Sunday, today we've talked about, do you know whose you are? Next week's Sunday, we'll really start to talk about, do you know who you are? The spotlight and the focus was on who God is today. We turn the spotlight around and we start looking at you. Who has God made you? And the way God has been putting it inside my spirit, you can't, you know, you, you walk out and you won't be able to walk straight. <laughs> is this me? <laughs> I, I, I thought I knew who I was before. Now, <laughs> I really know who I am. Your, your gait will change. Your swag will change. Your language will change. Your attitude will change when you really know who you are. Father, we bless you. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. This is the day that you have made. We rejoice and we are glad in it. We thank you for that which you have done in the house today already. Father, we bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed this uplifting sermon from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. We hope you've been informed and inspired. Join us for services every Wednesday and Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HOTR London. Also, live stream our services on YouTube at HOTR London. For more information, visit our website on hotr.org.uk.